Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat John McDonough, nationalists pro-Trumper Jennifer Nevins, Democrat Coco Sudek, and Republican commentator Chris Roebling. Our program tonight coming to you from the National Radio Hall of Fame, Paul and Angel Harvey Studio in downtown Chicago. Nice to have you with us this evening. Last week, obviously, a huge political week. And again, we're going to have another political big week coming up where uh, the U.S. Senate uh, will be voting on Wednesday uh, whether or not to uh, uh, exonerate or convict uh, Donald Trump. It looks like he's got the Republican votes in the U.S. Senate uh, to avoid uh, or to, to get acquittal on that. But we'll talk about that as the program unfolds. Coco Sudek is here. She's a, a lawyer. She's a Democrat, a very proud Democrat, a liberal. So far, I'm correct on everything, absolutely, right? Absolutely, absolutely mm-hmm. correct. My question to you is, based on uh, the news of last week, when the Republicans chose not to seek additional witnesses, which they think might have, the Democrats might have thought might have made their case difficult, uh, how do you react to what the Senate has done and what they are likely to do <laughs> next week? How do I react? Yeah. Fury. Uh, you don't look furious. Rage. Okay. I've had a couple of days to calm down. Okay. So, so look, people who think like me um, are a little freaked out about where the country's going. And I want to put it in very clear terms. Whatever we all think, whatever we each conclude about the facts of the impeachment, there is one fact that we cannot get away from, which is the Congress, the House of Representatives, asked demanded oversight, demanded to look at emails, records, and to hear from witnesses from the administration. And the administration said no, complete, across the board. <clears throat> and only those people who work for the administration who were willing to buck the administration <clears throat> came forward to testify. The thing that bothers me is I believe in the separation of powers. I believe in three co-equal branches of government. I believe in the Constitution. And I don't think you can have a president who refuses to understand that we've got three co-equal branches of government. And if the Congress wants to look at records and hear from witnesses from the administration, the, the president needs to. And the fact that senators refused to enforce the, their rights to look at evidence means that they have absolutely surrendered their duties and their powers as senators. Okay, now let's hear from the other side. Uh, Jennifer Nevins, you're our pro-Trumper tonight. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that if the Democrats had just cooled their jets in the House, instead of rushing this whole entire thing through, they could have heard from anybody they wanted to. You know, the Republicans didn't have any witnesses uh, in the House proceedings, and uh, the House wasn't too interested in what the Senate had to say. But for some reason, the Senate is supposed to kowtow to whatever the House managers want to bring over to them. If they wanted to hear from John Bolton, they could have heard from John Bolton if they had just slowed this process down. But instead, they didn't do the work that they needed to do, that they had all the latitude in the world to do. And so now, when it's the ball is not in their court anymore, and according to the Constitution, the Senate can run with this. This is up to Mitch McConnell. Now they're all upset about it. It's just sour grapes. Chris Roebling, also a Republican, let me ask you, following up on what uh, uh, Coco said, 
the concern in the House was that the White House stonewalled. They didn't let anybody speak in the House. Was that right or wrong? Should the president let some of these people talk? Well, I, I think that the um, I think that the answer to the question is welcome to Washington, and I think it would be terrific for folks who think that way to take a look at the record under Obama, when there was in fact blanket stonewalling relative to Fast and Furious, relative to Benghazi, mm-hmm. relative to the IRS scandal, relative to the bugging of James Rosen, the bugging of the AP reporters. I mean, there wasn't one controversy during the Obama period in which the Obama administration provided documents voluntarily. And you contrast that with Trump and how he not only provided hundreds of thousands of pages to Mueller, but also provided, and you as an attorney would appreciate this, waiving concerns about attorney-client privilege, provided his attorney to Mueller for 30 hours of conversation. What about for the House impeachment investigation? Well, I think that Patrick Philbin, uh, counsel for the president, no. um, articulated you know the position that I would take, which is uh, um, the characterization here is inaccurate. The response was actually variegated, and it <clears throat> was dependent upon the authority that had not been granted by the House to the Intelligence Committee, which has never run an impeachment before. And um, frankly, you had 85 days of House, as, as Jennifer points out, 85 days of House consideration of impeachment. And for about 76 or 77, there was no opportunity for um, due process whatsoever. Right, and well, so I, I think that this get, point uh, is overdrawn get, and uh, let's inaccurate. Get, right, let's, get, let's get uh, John McDonough, uh, our other Democrat, into the discussion. Uh, your assessment of what happened last week. You watched a lot of it. Yeah, I did watch a lot of it. Uh, uh, the witness thing, I mean, I was pretty much, I was kind of outraged that uh, they didn't call witnesses for all the reasons that we've heard a million times. But in the final analysis, the whole uh, brouhaha over witnesses was a little bit of a red herring because, um, you know, while it forced uh, the... um, um, you know, the Senate to actually take a vote and the senators actually had <clears throat> to say no witnesses. It put mm-hmm. them on the record uh, on a very, you know, un, in, in a very unfavorable light. Even if there had been witnesses, uh, the jury was still the same. And uh, I don't think it would have affected the outcome one way or the other. Uh, so, uh, you know, there was this great moral contest over witnesses or no witnesses, but uh, in the end, um, the uh, the ultimate uh, con- uh, you know acquittal is going to come through. Lamar Alexander from from Tennessee, who uh, uh, really cast a key vote here when he said he was not going to support uh, the concept of witnesses. He said, you know, if 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 I'm in a jury, and and the prosecution has brought nine people who are witnesses to an accident. I don't need a tenth witness. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me that that made a lot of sense to me. It is- Except that, first of all, <clears throat> I don't think the factual rec- I don't think the factual record about Obama stonewalling every investigation is accurate. First of all, Holder did show up for Fast and Furious. Second, Hillary did show up for eleven hours of testimony. Uh, third, there was. They never, they never put a blanket prohibition across the entire executive branch saying, you will deny Congress's 
Congress's request for, test for testimony and subpoenas. They, he, they did ask Bolton to come testify. He said no. They knew it would get lost in the courts. So, you know, and I don't, look, I don't know that I agree with that strategy, but hang on a second. But hang on. No, 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 let, let her finish. But, but hang on, but hang on. The, I don't think that the result would be different. They're, they're not going right, to... Right, right. We all understand there's, 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 right. We all understand the... It wasn't about the result. But, but, I think that the, but I think the Republicans in the Senate were tested, and I think they failed that test of sobriety and devotion to the Constitution and support for the rule of law and basic uh, honesty and, um, and lack of hypocrisy. Okay, we've got to pause. 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border and around the world on beyondthebeltway.com. You're listening to Beyond the Beltway live from Chicago. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack and we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much. Uh, Coco, just a follow-up. Uh, one of the, the points that the Democrats have said why they did not want to go to court uh, to force John Bolton to to, to come in to uh, testify before them was they were fearful of a of a long court process. Mm -hmm. One of the things that was argued by the the de defense by uh, by the president said that that the court, which was he said just a couple of blocks down the street, uh, basically could have very easily escalated that decision to a couple of days or a couple of weeks. It didn't have to be stretched out. So would you acknowledge that that is something that maybe the Democrats could have pursued? And, and had they pursued that, do you agree that if Bolton had testified in the House, things would have been more difficult in the Senate? Difficult for who? Difficult for the Republicans to, uh, to uh, turn their back on. Well, first of all, I don't believe the president – I don't believe that it could have been necessarily expedited in the courts because that requires a whole bunch of things like uh, agreement from the president and his lawyers to expedite the matter before the courts. And what we're seeing in all of these questions of, of – you know, whenever, whenever these subpoena questions are going before the courts, it's taking months and months and months. And by the time it's over – you know, the election will be over, he won't be in office anymore, and the point will be moot. That said, I don't, I don't love the strategy of not subpoenaing Bolton because, once again, I believe in, in legislative oversight of the executive branch. And let me say this. If I don't believe that Obama stonewalled to the extent you said, but if he did, okay, I am opposed to it. Okay. I am opposed to it. I think I that there should that. be absolute... 
congressional oversight over the executive branch because that's the place where the fraud can happen, and we need okay. that. Chris, I, I just I, I think that the Democrats, and and with all respect to our interlocutors tonight and everybody else that I know is a Democrat, like my entire family, I think the Democrats. Um, it was pretty clear, and I think history will reveal, that this was a political decision that was made or that was forced upon Nancy Pelosi after her, I would say, pretty eloquent intonation. And if we go back 12 months from tonight right. and you start looking at the newspapers at that time in early 2019, she said, I can tell you one thing about impeachment. It's not going to be from one party. Right. That was what she said. And, and she held to that. I think she held to that until the Mueller thing blew up. And then things started to slide, and then eventually the call, and then the it, phone call. So, so you've got Nancy Pelosi saying we're not going to do it. Then they have to do it, but they've got to get it done by Christmas so that it can be done before Iowa. Then she says, "I'm not going to send. We, we have to do it quickly, but I'm not going to send them over and, until I'm sure that there's going to be a good process in the Senate." Then they go to the Senate, and there isn't a good process, according to Nancy Pelosi. And you get into this thing about we want to have the truth, but we won't go to court. And I respect. Uh, uh, Coco's view, but I think in down there in the district court uh, of, of the District of Columbia, they're used to these things. There have been times when these things have been resolved in four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. And these are weighty questions. Now, I will concede the Trump organization or the Trump thing was arguing out of both sides of its mouth. I mean, there's no question that in, in, in Congress, they were saying, you didn't have authority to issue the subpoena. When they would get to the courthouse they were saying you are article three judge you don't have a right to okay. intervene between the executive and the legislative folks i want to i want to switch it big world i want to switch it from the rearview mirror to mm -hmm. where we are today or where we will be tomorrow and tuesday and wednesday when tuesday uh, again closing arguments are going to be tomorrow the president will have the state of the union on tuesday and the people the senators will come back at three o'clock chicago time and vote on tuesday where do we go on next Wednesday. When, on Wednesday? What's, go, what's going to happen next, in your view, uh, Jennifer? Well, I think it's a, a re-energized Republican Party is what happens next from our side. Is of it the a re-energized Democratic Party? Um, I think there's a lot of disappointment. I think, unfortunately, this was just a, a, a difficult spot that Nancy Pelosi was in. Was this a win for the Democrats or a loss for the Democrats? I think that we all could argue different uh, sides of that equation. I think that the people who really wanted to see Trump get his comeuppance and finally get out are really upset. And if you read a lot of stuff on the blogosphere, they are just furious that the Democrats bungled this one. So I don't know if it's something that they're re-energized with. I think a lot of them are pretty uh, – that they had this one – what a golden chance. This was a golden opportunity, and it fell apart. John, do you think the uh, Democrats blew it? Uh, no, I don't think they blew it. But uh, you asked the question was, what goes on? What happens afterwards? Yeah, right. What happens afterwards is the trial continues. But it gets in kicked upstairs in the court of public opinion, and it goes to the Supreme Court next November, the electorate. Uh, and that's when it'll be decided. You know, one thing... Hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, as it should. I'll, I'll, as I'll it take should that be. all day long. Right. Uh, one thing that long. has always puzzled me about this whole impeachment... when, Like a month after uh, Trump was inaugurated... Um, my wife and I had dinner with a couple of friends, and uh, Carl Keller was a very pro-Trump. I mean, you, you'd be you know, very much in tune with, uh, with you. Uh, and um, we were having this discussion, and I, we sort of made a gentleman's bet that uh, Trump wouldn't finish his administration. And Carl took the bet, and I forgot what it was all about. But anyway, um, I, what, I thought there was, a, there was a time bomb that was planted in the 
administration that was going to likely make it, uh, uh, you know, his faith as, as a full-time president that limited. That was Rod Rosenstein. No, it wasn't Rob Rosenstein. Rod Rosenstein. It wasn't Rob Rosenstein. It was Mike Pence. Oh. Because if Trump was impeached, it's not as if Nancy Pelosi right. is going to be president. Right. Mike Pence is going to be president. And if you, I mean, you hear these talk about, you know, congressmen and senators behind closed doors will tell you what a jerk Trump is. But they can't say that publicly. Uh, so you have Mike Pence sitting as vice president in the batter's box. Uh, it seemed to me that if it if push came to shove and the and, and Trump's behavior was such that you know his impeachment was a really pretty solid case could be made for it, uh, that uh, Repub- it would be a bipartisan impeachment effort because Trump is. Uh, uh, I mean, you have Republicans who kind of resent him as much as Democrats, and you have Mike Pence coming in, and he's the, the, the conservative agenda of the Republican yeah. Party might right. be in better hands with uh, Mike Pence than with uh, Trump. Right. You bring up something really interesting, because it's almost as if a lot of the people who wanted Trump to be gone lost sight of the fact that Pence was the next person in the batting cage. And he is more socially conservative, straight down the line, than Trump ever was or ever will be. And he represents... For a lot of people on the left, uh, Mike Pence is anathema. So it's interesting that there was almost this box that people, a lot of people went into, and they didn't look outside the box to realize there's Mike Pence waiting. And I thought it was... I noticed what you did. It was very. It was just uh, always caught me by surprise that they weren't forward enough thinking. Bruce, to did you that. did you ever do a program about a Mike Pence presidency? No, we have not done yeah. a program about a Mike. Pence presidency, other than what I have said uh, many times, I don't. I don't think uh, Mike Pence could keep the Trump coalition together. No, absolutely. I really not. don't. Now you were raising your eyebrows for those listening on so radio. So I have two things to say. Oh, you had so a Mrs. Coco. Number one, I think Donald Trump is the most successful Republican president that I have seen in my lifetime. I agree. Not that I mean I think it's nauseating, but but I think he's giving all the crazies in the right wing coalition something they wanted crazy unqualified judges destruction of the immigration system uh you know what he just brought back landmines i mean this guy is as conservative as it gets in terms of policy and personnel he he's and he's astonishingly successful at it i don't think they do better with mike pence i do however think that trump's Health could be an issue, and his mental health, which is clearly your second point. Which is, no, that's not my second point. Okay. My here's my second point. You're right. You're right. Good point. My second point is, I think as a Democrat, I know very many Democrats who are very, very proud of the Democrats, for, of the House managers, of 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 Schiff, and and all the people that he led, because we lost. No, we're going to lose this fight. It's that, that's true. But unlike. You know, it might be a surprise to Republicans that there are some things worth fighting for, even though you know the end is is mm-hmm. is fairly certain that it won't be you won't be a victory. I think they conducted themselves with great dignity and sobriety and faith and fidelity to the Constitution, and I couldn't be right. more pr- proud to be a Democrat. You th- you think they did what the founding fathers would want yes, them to I do. do? I do. And you know where my wait, but no. does everybody agree with that? No. 
I don't agree you with don't. them one little bit because I don't think it had anything to do with the fact that Trump posed this big danger. Oh, my God, we got to get him out of here really fast because that's what Adam Schiff was saying, that he poses a danger to the republic. Of course, then they sit on the impeachment thing for weeks after they decided they were going to you know, days. advance Does the, everybody the agree that was a mistake on the Democratic side? Do you agree? Then, I don't even think it was a mistake at all okay. because it allowed more evidence to come out. It okay. allowed more yeah. things to trickle this out. This is about Arnis. damaging Trump before his election. This is what Al yes. Green said, that we know that unless we do this and muddy up the waters, he's going to get reelected. This isn't about some higher I, duty. I, That's a bunch. I'm sorry. I apologize. Is, a bunch a of crap. But as a Democrat, I have a totally different view. I, of course. I no, feel no like, one's denying I your feel view. Like, I feel like this is I, – I, I believe, and I think many Democrats believe, that this is a criminal in the White House yeah. who yeah. is breaking the law every which way. Now, can I you don't, name a crime? Emoli- well, so can you, emoluments. Can you, okay, can, well, he you, viola- can you present the element? Into, uh, can you present the GAO said he violated – The GAO said that Barack Obama violated 13 He violated the Empowerment Act. The Emoluments Act – And there were actually a number of crimes – can I get back to the question? But you asked me Bruce you asked asked. me a question about crimes. The Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, I think that was okay, a violation so you, of that. Right. right. I mean, I have a did, number of statutes. Have you sent any of this to Alan, Adam Schiff? Yeah, he could have I mean, did you thing. send any of Did you get a well, fax? I have his fax I? number. Let well, me ask you this question. He's, he's got it. Articles of he's got it. He's I just want to go back to trolling. I don't, honestly, with all respect, I don't think that the House manager, and this is why I left the Democratic Party. Sorry. I don't think the House managers fulfilled either their constitutional duty or their political duty. And I certainly don't think they presented a case, which, uh, you know, the, the greatest threat that they were to our system was essentially to overturn the deliberations of the Constitutional Convention, to adopt the George Mason position, to put aside the Benjamin Franklin and the, and the majority position, and to go for bills of attainder and ex post facto. We've got a pause. I'm Bruce Dumont, 1-800-723-8289, back shortly from Chicago. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require E-Verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers count. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain, and reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Stand by. Chris Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us. Let me now take a moment to introduce our guests, who in turn will introduce themselves, and we will begin with Coco Sudek. Hi, I'm a lawyer. I help people make things and money. That's it? That's it. Tell me more about your background. Uh, Where are you from? I'm from, I grew up in Minnesota. But I've lived in Minnesota. A so town old. called Edina, a suburb of Minneapolis. Oh, I've heard of it. Minnesota. I am a Kappa Kappa Gamma American. 
Um, and um, Meghan Markle. I'm also right. Meghan Markle. Like, sorry, that's right. I wore black. I wore black to her wedding. Well, in my living room. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm a corporate lawyer, but I'm a liberal corporate lawyer, so I represent the good guy. When liberal corporate <laughs> lawyers get together, uh, how big a room do you need? We don't need a very big room. There aren't many of us. <laughs> there aren't that many of us. Right. Uh, Jennifer Nevins. Yes, um, I am on this show as the original Trumper, and Bruce calls me that because when there were 17 people on that debate stage, I was for Donald Trump. And I'm a conservative activist uh, also, and I wanted to give a special shout-out to one very special person who has three names, uh, Peggy, Margaret, Monica Hubbard. Um, I hope you're watching, and it's been really nice getting to know you. And let's go to John McDonough. Uh, I have, I, for about 20 years, I was a contributing columnist to the Wall Street Journal. And uh, then uh, for about another 20 years, I contributed uh, regular pieces to uh, National Public Radio's All Things Considered uh, with uh, Robert Trout and, uh, some, and then subsequently uh, Walter Cronkite and, and in some cases myself. Um, I teach uh, music history, uh, jazz history at Northwestern University, which to some extent is a, a kind of a parallel course in race relations in the first half of the 20th century. And also you were the editor of uh, the Museum of Broadcast Communications Encyclopedia of Advertising. The Encyclopedia of Advertising. I was a contributor to Ad Age for many years, That's too. Right. Yeah. And Chris Roebling. I grew up reading Ad Age. I really liked it. I'd get it every week. My dad was a subscriber. Mm -hmm. I thought Ad Age was really cool, and I thought the whole world of Chicago school advertising was great. Mm -hmm. uh, so w I wander around and uh, go to the <laughs> Middle East a lot. Bruce sometimes asks me over. Be, and you used I've been to around be, this and, and show you, for 35 years. You, but I'm not yeah, a day older, folks. Yeah, yeah you really are. I started with, <laughs> I had hair. A, I had more hair than John. Do you remember the first time you were ever on this program? You were a, I, I you remember were a the deputy for the Cook County Republican I was the Party. executive the director, and Don Totten got caught in traffic, called me and said, I need you to go to WBEZ and be on the program. And there you were. And that started and your career. Thank you for having now, me back. Now, once upon a time, you, you were, were already at, converted by then, though, huh? Yes. I converted listening to the speech of Jimmy Carter when he accepted the nomination in 1976. Mm -hmm. From the beginning, at the beginning of that speech, I was a Democrat. At the end, I was a Reagan Republican. Hmm. When, uh, once upon a time, you were in the CIA. And is it true that once you're in, you're always in? I'm very uh, fortunate to have gotten to know some of the folks who are really defending us. Uh, just like the Navy guys, the Air Force guys, uh, folks all over, first responders, you know, police in Minneapolis. I mean, uh, you know, they're they're doing their share. Great folks. Okay. Great organization. You call it the CIA or CIA? The agency. You just call it, you call it the agency. Yeah. Hmm. I guess I won't do any follow up questions. No. <laughs> I might be dead. <laughs> Let's go to Bonnie listening to us in Crown Point, Indiana. Put on the map by John Dillinger when he escaped from your jail many, many years ago. Go ahead. Well, um, I, I have to take exception to something that Coco said earlier. Yes. When you talk about three co-equal branches, the executive branch obviously is equal to the legislative branch. But the legislative branch is not represented by two committees of one part of one half of it. The legislative branch is the entire Congress, that would be the House and the Senate. So together, they are equal to the executive branch. Structural federalism is truly a fascinating topic, and I'm waiting for Bruce to do a show on that. 
It's going to be sometime she, after the uh, Electoral she, College. Uh, she, uh, uh, she I made think it's a, a very important point. She made it your point. Do you have any yeah. comment on it? None. None. No, no comment? No, that's a very important Our point. Coco is speechless. Bonnie, thank you very much for, 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 <laughs> for your job, call. Bonnie. Thank you, Bonnie. I want to, I want to go back. Point. I asked this uh, of, uh, uh, of Jennifer, but I want to give everybody else uh, his reaction. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Chris. Tuesday night, uh, the president is going to have a State of the Union address. Yes. Yes. Should he be um, gloating? Even no, though the no, vote no, has no, not no. been taken, I, I believe that you'll, you're going to see a fusion of his uh, remarks in Davos and his remarks later that same week when he spoke to the mayors, the United States League of Mayors or the League of Cities. All the mayors were in the west, uh, the the east room of the White House. Um, you know, he's developed. I, I, I think the other side of Coco's earlier point. He's developed an extraordinary record, mm -hmm. and we have not just you know a lot of activity in the economy, a lot of activity in the government. Uh, these these things like the the judicial appointments, which drive Coco and her friends upset, but they're very good for the uh, I think for the Republican Party and the undecideds in the nation as a whole. He's going to talk about his record, and um, I think he's probably going to. I, I would not be surprised if he did not intone some aspects of the Gallup the big Gallup survey that was released this week, which didn't get very much coverage, but showed very significant phase shifts and attitudes towards uh, life in the U.S. since January 2017 when he took over. Do you believe... Including on race relations, just by the way. Do you believe, Jennifer, that uh, as Lamar Alexander uh, acknowledged uh, in explaining his vote or his vote against witnesses, saying that he thought the president basically did something wrong, but he didn't think it reached the level of, of, of impeachment... And he alleged, and I think this is probably true, that he represented uh, a lot of other U.S. senators. I think Ben Sass even said he agreed with what Lamar Alexander yeah. had to say. So mm -hmm. there may be a sentiment. Uh, we don't know how large it is. But there's a sentiment in the United States Senate amongst Republicans that Donald Trump did something wrong, but they're not going to yeah. throw him off the cliff because of it. Yeah. Should he take a moment... Mm -hmm. assuming that there's probably a lot of other Republicans and non-Republicans around the United States who have that same position as Lamar Alexander, should he take a moment to acknowledge that he might have done something wrong? No, because I don't think the State of the Union address is the place where you'd want to do it anyway. And, I, you know, I think that you... You're talking about a real is difference. Is there ever a place when he would do it? No, I don't think so. He's not going to do it. Whether or not I think he should do it is irrelevant. He's not going to do it. But I think you really illustrate the difference between the House Republicans and the Senate Republicans, because those are two really different animals. And you had a lot of strident supporters of Trump in the House, um, Mark Meadows, et cetera, who said that he absolutely didn't do anything wrong, and that corruption is corruption. And Hillary got away with corruption because, and he wasn't even supposed to go near Hillary's corruption because she was a candidate, and that was bogus, and that this is bogus just because uh, Biden is a candidate. So, yes, it doesn't surprise me that Ben Sass, a perennial critic of Trump, would come up with this, and, I, and Lamar Alexander and other moderates would feel this way as well. But I don't think that Trump actually needs to address it at all. It is irrelevant. He's not going to be uh, getting any Does punishment he need does he need moderates to get reelected? Um, yes, he does need moderates to get reelected, but I think that the moderates are still going to support Trump regardless of what he said on this phone call with uh, with Zelensky. So I just think that the point itself is is irrelevant. A quick, do you agree with that? Just the last point, Chris. Yes, do you I think do. he needs moderates. Yes, I do. And and most of the moderates will stick with him. 
Yes, I do. They will I not. I think they will. Yes. Okay. His constituency is about what? Forty percent of the vote. Forty-two percent of the electorate. I, I'm looking at uh, him winning about thirty-five states. <laughs> every day, every once in a while, I get yep. to thirty-six or thirty-seven, depending on. Two. Well, I don't you think. Were, I don't think he should. Uh, I, I don't think. I think it would be totally off-brand for him to apologize right? or be contrite. Ding, ding, he's ding. his his power is his refusal to be contrite and to be humble and to, his refusal, his insistence on being arrogant and boastful and um, obnoxious, right? I don't, think, I, I don't think he thinks he did anything wrong, and I don't think, I think it would be off-brand for him to do it. I expect him to go to the, the, to the floor of the house and stand there and stutter a little bit and read the speech badly, and, um, and you know, he'll blinker a little bit for a second, and we'll see, you know, he'll be propped up on 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 drugs and you and know, amphetamines and he'll be God, and he'll and he'll he'll there. keep it together for a while and and he'll read the speech and everybody you know the republicans and some centrists in the media will say he read a teleprompter. He, he was very presidential. Well, one thing's for sure. They won't laugh at him like they did at the United Nations because uh, not in the Senate or the House of Representatives. But uh, the trial continues to go on. Uh, Bolton's book is due out in six weeks. Who knows how many more books are going to come out between now and November. The information will keep coming out and the jury, the electorate, will be there. So you know, the trial, the, the, the battle a, is not over. How, how many never times, be over. You're I'm right. Not an artist, but you know, basically, and I know this is a radio show, but here is this well, is uh, this explain is, what you're doing, and then but let, let's I kind of speed those, it up. Those, it's, um, <clears throat> yeah, an emoji face. It's not a smiley face. It's a frowny face. Uh -huh. And I think that I, I I honestly believe Democrats that, and I said this at an institution here in Chicago, the Lundy Lunch on Friday. I know it's off the record, but I'm putting it on the record. I think when you spend all of your time hating on this guy, I'm not present company excluded, but the Democratic institutional thing, hating on this guy and attacking him and belittling him and attempting to, you know, sort of say nasty personal things about him. I think that the deficit that causes for the Democrats, uh, with Democrats, it's not very much, but with independents, it's a lot. I appreciate that. I know that you're concerned. The thing is, this is a guy who entered public life, has entered political life, calling Mexicans rapists. That's, uh, false. That's totally false. 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 That's false. false. That didn't happen. False. Hang on, hang on. He, is, he speaks in a manner that is so indecent. I don't even, and I don't even know where a Democrat could start to treat him or expect to be treated by him with any kind of grace or dignity or respect. He, that is not his brand. Go, his go. brand is, is to just be belligerent. I'm going to ask the question, yeah. and then we're going to go to a commercial <laughs> yeah. break, and I want to get your answer. Have you and your friends, close friends, have you begun to deal with the possibility that Donald Trump will be reelected? Of course. That's the question. I, wanna, I want okay. you to elaborate on that. You too, John. When we come back, 1-800-723-8029. And I want to ask our Republicans, have you begun to think about what Donald Trump's second term would be like if he never faces the voters again? Hmm. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. 
The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack and we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Chicago, and we asked the magical question, musical question to Coco Sudek. Are you and your very liberal friends, have you discussed, are, are you planning, are you, are you trying to prepare for the possibility that Donald Trump will be reelected for another four years? Yeah, of course. I, I think that the What are you odds, doing about it? I think, well, honestly, it's the time to make sure you can get your money out. I mean, this is this is what this is what Jews did in Germany in the 30s <laughs> to protect themselves when the Nazis came. You want to make sure you can get your money out. You want to make sure that you have enough resources. You want to make sure you've got a place to go. I think if Trump is reelected, we're going to see no end in sight to Social Security cuts, Medicare cuts. He's already promised those. Medicaid cuts. I think we're going to see the end, the absolute end of what was the American century, and it will become the chi- the century for China. And we will start to we will be overtaken by China in every way, economically, diplomatically, and probably militarily. I think it is the end. And I think the symbol of that is going to be that wall, that piece of wall in California that Mexico was supposed to pay for that he promised. It didn't pay for it, but it is just a it's a it's a bunch of slats flapping in the breeze because there's nothing this administration does that's competent other than lie and 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 put judges and put Will bad unqualified judges on the court. Would you leave the country because of it? No, of course I'm not going to leave the country. But but I, I'm being serious about this. Okay. I think that I think that if you are anybody other than a, a if you're anybody other than a conservative, you have to be prepared for for absolute fascists to take over. Police departments, the government, and you have to be ready to go. Okay, well, now, not, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying that you have to prepare for it. Okay, well, I asked, I asked you what to yeah. prepare for. You, you were very dramatic in in what you are fearful of. So now let me ask our Republicans. Yeah. What are you worried that an unfettered Donald Trump, with no future election, having survived an impeachment, which he will be perceived as an acquittal? Some people question the use of that word, but are you worried at all about that he may really take off and go to extremes in some areas? Why in the world would I be afraid that the man that I have supported since about two weeks after he came down the escalator is going to go to extremes? It's absolutely ridiculous. And where would we be uh, in a discussion about Donald Trump without bringing up Nazis, fascism, uh, allusions to, you know, everything else? It's it really, yeah, the Holocaust. You know, it's, it's just the same old stuff. Everybody get your bomb shelter. Better get in there. Um, the whole world is going to go to absolute crap. Listen, we've so you're not Trump, worried. About, you're not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. You know, we've had Trump as president for three years, and none of the things that Coco mentioned are going to happen. Everything is just going to go to hell. Has happened, and I hope that there is a continuation of everything that Trump has done. That's what I predict is going to happen: is he is going to continue nominating constitutionalist judges, and that he's going to continue with the policies that have made our economy skyrocket, contrary to what many liberals want to say that he's not uh, responsible for it. And he's I am not unqualified worried judges in the least. On the court. No, they're not unqualified because. Because they're pro-choice, that because they're pro-life does not make them unqualified, and so we are hoping that he continues what he's doing. Chris Robley, 
Are you worried? You're a little more moderate than than Jennifer. Uh, are you worried about anything? I'm not so sure, but um, he shouldn't be worried. He'll be fine. No, I, I I'm more. I'm. I, I, my concern is for the country and for the world and for the success of freedom in this hour of and liberty in this hour of maximum peril worldwide. And honestly, I th- I, I I agree with Jennifer's point that. Folks who don't like Trump have had a whole parade of horribles, and I don't think any of those floats have shown up in the parade yet. Let's leave that aside for a quick second. Coco raises the, probably the top geostrategic issue, which is the relationship with China. And I would just say that um, Trump's, Trump's diplomacy, which I think is not getting anywhere near the credit that it deserves, that's another whole story, but just in terms of China, I believe that Trump has been more serious and more effective about China than any other president since Richard Nixon, okay? In my opinion, he has more appropriately calibrated our interactions with China so that we have achieved the stage one, we're working towards a stage two, and we're a lot more clarified about not just the so-called shift to Asia, but by rebuilding our military from where it was at the end of the last administration to where it is today, we can still project power in the um, in in the Far East and and in the Pacific. I want to. I want to. Capability wanna, we had pretty much lost. I want to. I'm going to come back to that. But okay. I want to. I want to ask. I want to get John in response to this. John, you traveled in circles where I'm sure a lot of the people hate Donald Trump. How do you think the country will react if he gets reelected? Those people who you know and who you like and, and who you socialize with, are well, they going to be able to get over it, or is it can, can, is it another four years of just hatred and resistance? Well, I think there'll be a degree of panic uh, for all the reasons that uh, you know, we've stated here. But um, Do you go as far as Coco? Well, I wouldn't go that far because, I mean, you know, the Super Bowl goes on today and, you know, the, the life goes on and how much... Uh, uh, <laughs> how much, uh, uh, you know, how much of normal life right. just continues? The sun rises uh, in the east. A lot of, Super a lot Bowl? of, a lot of things that uh, you know are, are anticipated, uh, you know, are very slow in penetrating the individual lives of, of uh, you know, the individual citizens. I think you overestimate, though, uh, the performance of the economy. The economy. I mean, we can all agree the economy operates kind of independently to a large extent of administrations. But uh, I mean, uh, in the first three to four years years of the uh, Obama administration, the stock market went up 90 to 100 percent. Now, uh, in the first three or four years of uh, Trump's administration, it's gone up about uh, 25 percent, 30 percent. 15 percent to you. The uh, parade of horribles that you mentioned that didn't happen, didn't happen to you. It didn't happen to me or you or you. But if you are a migrant or you are Latino or you are an Iranian, a Persian-American coming back and you get stopped and and, and, and grilled about whether you belong here... Bad things are happening. If you have to deal with work requirements to get food stamps, that's bad. We're not experiencing it because we're lucky and privileged. We have to pause. 1-800-723-8029. When we come back for hour number two of Beyond the Beltway, we're going to head to Iowa. We're going to get an update on what's happening there. And we're going to talk about Democratic presidential politics in hour number two of Beyond the Beltway. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight.
Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers... GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Project Yellow Light noise and the ad council chris domine is a husband and a father chris is an athlete chris is even an iron man but 10 years ago chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing basically the doctor said if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis you, you are going to die fortunately chris received a second chance at life made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors, people of every age and ethnicity, because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much. We are back for hour number two. Our Democrats this evening are uh, Coco Sudek. She is an attorney. And John McDonough. He is a music professor at Northwestern and a writer and a journalist. And our Republicans tonight are Jennifer Nevins. She is a nationalist. She's also an education consultant. She was one of the original Trumpsters. And also Chris Roebling is here. And he is a political consultant. And he also is, for many years has been a guest, a regular guest, on this program. And uh, joining us now from his home in Monmouth, Illinois, is Robin Johnson. Robin Johnson has been a professor at Monmouth College for many, many years, and he is also host uh, of the program Heartland Politics on KBUR in Burlington, Iowa, which is the Beyond the Beltway affiliate there. And, Robin, nice to have you back with us on Beyond the Beltway. 
Good evening. I'd like, to be, I'd like to begin with one of the big stories today, and that is uh, the Des Moines Register, I guess, uh, yesterday was supposed to have a big poll uh, in association with CNN, which was going to be, it was billed as the last poll in Iowa, and uh, they never published it. What happened? There was a glitch uh, in the, the uh, uh, mechanics of the poll, the methodology where callers were, uh, uh, this is where the caller, paid callers uh, reach people and ask the poll questions. Apparently, a volunteer for the Buttigieg campaign called in to say that uh, he wasn't included on several of the key questions. Um, and the call was made then to the polling company, and they decided to cancel the poll uh, instead of produce results that weren't fully including all the candidates. Now, this poll is like the gold standard of Iowa po uh, polls. This is, this is Ann Seltzer, up. who uh, knows knows uh, Iowa and polling very, very well. So this was kind of one of those unexpected developments we've seen late in campaigns that happen sometimes that kind of just changes the dynamics of uh, what's going on in the ground. Now, again, uh, when, when we last spoke, uh, we were referring uh, last week, actually, on this program, we were referring to a New York Times poll. And that then that is the latest. And according, according to that New York Times poll, uh, Joe Biden is in first place. If we can put that graphic up for the TV folks, uh, Bernie Sanders, rather, is in is leading with 25 percent. Pete Buttigieg, 18 percent. Joe Biden, 17 percent, Elizabeth Warren, 15 percent, and Amy Klobuchar uh, moving up at 8 percent. Is there anything that's happened in the last uh, 48 hours, 72 hours that you would see any movement in those uh, in the order of, of that finish? Well, the re recent polls here have shown it tighter. That gave Sanders more of an edge. And the thing that I think people were really interested in seeing in the uh, Des Moines Register poll was whether Amy Klobuchar had gained some momentum late. Uh, I've been talking to people that, uh, that suggest just anecdotally that she was picking up support among people who were deciding late and people, more normal people, unlike us who follow this all the time, mm -hmm. people that were planning to go to the caucus and have just now started to uh, look at who to possibly go uh, vote for. Um, that's going to be wiped out. But I, I think I think you're looking at a pretty tight contest. Uh, probably, my guess is Sanders and Biden uh, will be will be at the top. But who knows? You know, uh, my question to you also is: We should mention that uh, uh, tomorrow morning I'm going to head to Iowa. You and I, uh, along with your students from Monmouth College, we're going to be together at uh, at Burlington High School for the caucus on Monday night. But explain to the audience how the results are not only told to those people at the high school, but how are they, uh, how are they calculated uh, by the state officials? And uh, the numbers that ultimately come out, uh, how are we supposed to dissect those? Because it's, it's not exactly just the winner that's important. It's, they've added an element this year, Bruce, that's going to make it even more, could be even more confusing. There'll be so much spin will be dizzy afterwards. They're going to provide the total counts not only on the delegate equivalents from each precinct. Uh, and again, this is the first step in a multi-step process, precinct caucuses, then county caucuses, then district, then state. Uh, but they're also, for the first time, going to ask everybody that comes in first who they're for and tabulate those. They haven't done that traditionally. They're also going to be asking for people's preference after the first realignment, which is uh, candidates, uh, people that are there that are, are for a candidate that doesn't achieve 15% of those present 
can realign to another candidate or they can just go home. So there's going to be three numbers, the delegate equivalents, the original number of people uh, for each candidate, and then the number after each alignment. So technically, there's going to be people that uh, could finish, uh, say, third in delegate, delegate equivalents, but win, uh, have the most people for them when they come into the, uh, to the precinct caucuses. So, so in I that, hope I made that, that clear. In that one precinct where we will be tomorrow night at Burlington High School, once those numbers come in, do they go to a central counting tabulation in Des Moines? Is that where they're gathering all the numbers or elsewhere? Yes, it'll be in Des Moines. They have an app to use or they can just use a phone uh, There'll be or email. There'll be several ways they could communicate that. Our Republican Chris Roebling has a question for you. Chris? Uh, Professor, great to be with you. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hi, Chris. Um, you know, Coming from Chicago, even though I've got roots in Lynn County and Polk County, I want to say I'm a little skeptical about this. And I think that I, I sure hope the Des Moines Register or somebody out there publishes the full story about why this happened and how it could have happened. I can't imagine, given the prominence of this poll and its significance to whichever party, whether it's a Republicans and an open year for Republicans or Democrats, as, as in this year, I can't imagine a methodological slip up on this poll. It's like the field poll of California. This is the gold standard for Iowa. And I'm, mm -hmm. I, I have to think that maybe somebody wanted to deflate somebody else's balloon and deny the other candidate his or her last bit of momentum going into the conversation on Monday. Go ahead. But maybe it's uh, just a embittered Chicago Republican. Who knows? Okay. According to my well, information. Was well, go ahead, Robin, then we'll back to John. Yeah, I mean, uh, social media was filled with conspiracy theories with every candidate saying that they were, they heard they were ahead. And that's why this uh, <laughs> fell apart. I can just say Ann Seltzer, uh, the Des Moines Register in particular, have the highest standards of, of uh, ethics. And uh, so I... I accept what they're saying uh, and, and take it at face value. I think this was an unfortunate error, and uh, who knows? We may find out differently at some point, but I accept at face value what happened. It was an unfortunate error, and uh, maybe we'll find out more about the specifics of it down the road. John McDonough has a comment. According to my information, uh, it was not an error of ethics. It was an error of... Um, um, well, the telephone uh, poll taker apparently wanted to couldn't read the uh, the copy on his or her uh, monitor, so they expanded the um, raised the typeface a little bit to uh, be larger, and the screen couldn't contain it, and it pushed Budichet's uh, Budichet's uh, name off of her screen. Yeah. It was a a, a totally That's random glitch. Too. We, yeah. we always yeah, knew his name was going to get him in the end. Coco Sude. <laughs> uh, uh, but let me, I have a question for you. What is your, in your experience, what is the impact of a campaign's ground game, strength of volunteers and, and organizational heft? And who do you see that's, that's got a more, who, who do you see that's got an active and impressive ground game now? Robin, that's the question. We do have to pause for some commercials, but we'll be back with Robin Johnson, who's joining us live from Monmouth, Illinois. And again, he teaches at Monmouth uh, College, and also uh, he is with the Heartland uh, uh, Politics, which is a show on KBUR. He's been a frequent guest on this program, and we'll be back with him live back from Chicago in a moment. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. 
Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org Stumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's go to Robin Johnson. Uh, Robin, uh, go back to you. And uh, the question was asked uh, uh, by Coco as to whether or not uh, you can ascertain the quality of the ground game of the various candidates. And whether it matters. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I remember four years ago uh, accurately predicting that Ted Cruz would win Iowa over Donald Trump because of his organization. and, And he wound up winning by two points. Uh, this time, it's it's of equal importance, if not more, with a multi-candidate field. Uh, what I'm hearing is that, of course, Bernie Sanders had had his field organization in place the last four years. He's got a very committed group of followers. Uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, has been working the rural areas strongly, and I, I I'm curious if that's going to manifest itself tomorrow night in doing better in those more remote rural counties. Uh, Biden got uh, to the game a little late. Uh, Buddha Judge has been building up his organization as well. So um, I've seen uh, talk to people that are just getting numerous mailers every day, door knocks every day. So all the candidates understand this. Uh, but I think it helps probably the more activist wing of the party a little bit more. What would be the biggest headline that you can think of that would come out uh, of Iowa tomorrow night? Um. The biggest headline will be if one of these candidates, I think, runs up a five to six point margin, which uh, we haven't we're not expecting right now based on the recent polling. That's another uh, unfortunate aspect of the Seltzer Des Moines Register poll not coming out. It could be Bernie Sanders uh, runs up with a significant margin. It could be Joe Biden does as well. Uh, I'm still anxious to see how Klobuchar does as well. If she were to move up into third place, that would be worth a headline as well. I, I just wonder if, as I alluded to earlier, it's going to be a very muddled message where uh, the delegate equivalent winner won't line up with uh, the actual raw vote winner. Can Robin, you explain you, delegate? Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, go ahead. Can you explain delegate equivalent? Yeah, it's uh, each each county is going to have so many delegates to go to the county convention, so they're just apportioned out at the precinct level how many delegates they would get proportionately per candidate as they move up through the process. <laughs> Iowa actually is deciding. Who's going to go decide? It yeah, doesn't sure. sound it doesn't sound, Robin, like uh, Saunders or uh, Warren have been hurt by their uh, absence from the scene uh, and being stuck in Washington. No, I think that's because again, they're they're the more progressive candidates. They've got the more committed followers, mm. and uh, they've had <clears throat> Sanders has had his organization in place for the last four years, pretty much. And uh, I think Warren again start got started early, and I was I was hearing early on that she had one of the best organizations in the state. And like I say, they've been working uh, the rural areas really hard. Let me ask you this. I got a quick one. (laughs) Everyone seems to, uh, every four years, uh, people question uh, the the wisdom of Iowa being first. 
And I'm wondering if, obviously, I think we will expect to hear that again. Michael Bloomberg has already basically signed off on that by agreeing not to get into Iowa, not getting into anything in the month of February. He's going to wait until Super Tuesday on March, coming up in early March. But my question to you is, in addition to the battle to retain being number one, do you think the complexity of the way you vote in Iowa is going to play against you in the future? Because people are going to say, this is too complicated a process. Yeah, it could, Bruce, especially if tomorrow night, again, uh, the delegate, delegate equivalent winner doesn't align with whoever uh, the, the popular vote uh, winner is. Uh, so that could muddy, muddy, muddy things quite a bit. And, uh, and and we'll see. It, the, the probably the the big disaster would be is if the three winners are different. Uh, so yeah, it could call into question definitely. Uh, on top of Iowa perhaps not being a demographic uh, representative state, uh, whether this state should lead off or not. Again, as we talked about before, it 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 forces candidates to come down and practice retail politics, not knock doors, get to know people, and not just advertise on TV, yeah. Yeah. which but is nice. Number, but I mean, a number that, of states could a, do that. That's an I mean, certainly right. Nebraska, right. Uh, 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 New Hampshire can do that, but there's a variety of other states that are small enough that could probably um, you know, meet that, uh, that mission. Chris Roebling uh, uh, with a question. I have to, my, my snarky reminder about Bloomberg, of course, is he doesn't have to worry about any of that because he knows the Democrats will change the rules for him as they already have. Now, back to the Iowa situation. Professor, who has succeeded in lowering expectations? So who has created a hedge for themselves so that folks will not be looking for them to win. Is that is that Mayor Pete, or has Mayor Pete kind of gotten into the expectations game because he's saying, I'm a Midwesterner, and so I'm going to do well in Iowa? Who, who has lowered expectations so they can't lose? Well, I think in some ways it might be Biden because he's put a lot on South Carolina and the African-American vote there where perhaps he can he can say that uh, he competed in Iowa, but uh, he's got a state coming up that the polls show right now that he's sure to win. Other than that, I think, uh, uh, I, I, you know, again, I think there's going to be a lot of spin tomorrow night. Uh, and you could usually you have three people uh, tickets punched out of Iowa. You could have as many as five uh, if some of those polls were, were accurate. So I think uh, I think Biden's but probably Robin, if the you, main if you have point. if you would you acknowledge that if you have five tickets punched out of Iowa, nobody lost? To some degree, other yeah. than maybe uh, Michael Bennett, but I mean, I mean, five tickets—that's a—that's <clears throat> a—that's a—that's a, a lot of—that's uh, a lot of freebies out of Iowa. Well, again, the, based on the polls, why I'm saying that is because some of the most recent polls we had had the four candidates uh, ahead and bunched around 15 percent, just very close to each other, and Klobuchar was, I think, at about seven in those polls. If she does get some momentum at the end and, and rise up and maybe take some vote, votes away from other candidates, if she's in double digits, and again, the top person isn't, uh, hasn't built up a big lead, uh, say get over 30, 30%, then you could have uh, you know, uh, more candidates uh, moving on, at least, saying they've got reason to move on in the process. Coco. Why, does, why doesn't the state of Iowa look at this and, and make it a little bit simpler, a little bit easier, a little bit uh, more encouraging of participation? Why does it stick with this convoluted process? They tried. They tried to uh, propose virtual caucuses, which would allow more people to participate and not have to show up. 
uh, at the caucus site, but the Democratic National Committee vetoed that because it started resembling a primary too much, which would uh, raise the hackles of New Hampshire. Yeah. So uh, they're, they've got a right to have the first caucus in the nation. New Hampshire keeps the right to have the first primary, at least for now. And that's a conspiracy of two that's gone back many, many years between uh, the secretaries of state in each of those states who uh, who want to keep that one-two punch because it's uh, it's good for uh, it's good for business. Can, can Fills up yes. a lot of hotel and motel rooms. Can we all agree that's silly? <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Every, well, I think everybody <laughs> always agrees that it's silly, but again, it never gets changed. I mean, the one thing is that should uh, should Michael Bloomberg come on and and you know, uh, by some magic moment, uh, uh, become the Democratic nominee, uh, he will have influence on the DNC. And I think that uh, he'll put the kibosh on that uh, uh, on that uh, conspiracy of two. But again, that's a that's think, a that's a long shot. I, I, I think in defense of Iowa that a lot of people are concerned that if it didn't start here, that uh, people would take uh take this area for granted. It would be true flyover country. People wouldn't uh, c compete here. And for the Democrats in particular, it's important that they do because this region is going to decide the next presidential race. One of the other... So uh one of the other races, I'm looking towards November, but again, uh, the Democrats would like to get rid of Joni Ernst, uh, your Republican U.S. senator, uh, who is running for re-election. Uh, how would you assess her uh, vulnerability come November? I don't think anybody's invulnerable in, in these Midwestern states. Uh, I th there's four candidates, I believe, running against her. It should be a very spirited Democratic primary. Uh, but she's definitely on the target list, and she's not invulnerable at all. Mm -hmm. And again, let let me have you. Uh, uh, we've we've talked a couple of uh, segments last week, and a couple of segments tonight. Um, look into your crystal ball. Uh, you're you're in Monmouth, Illinois. Uh, you've covered uh, what's happening in Iowa. You've got students that are going to be part of this uh, uh, caucus process uh, come tomorrow night. Um, uh, if you were to look into your crystal ball, give us what you think will be the top three finishers. Oh, boy. <laughs> Watch um, out. He's keeping a tape of this. I, <laughs> I'd i have to go Sanders and Biden. And um, I, I part of me says Klobuchar is going to rise up. But I still think Warren's got the organization. And I, I would pick her for, for, for third. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think uh, answer the answer my own question about uh, what the big headline would be. I, I think a, a huge headline would be if Klobuchar uh, rises to the occasion. I mean, the, people have been talking about her for a couple of weeks that she's on the move. Uh, she got the New York Times endorsement. She got the Quad City Times. Well, she got attacked by AP. She, she got, got unfairly a, yeah. attacked by the AP for a conviction up, you right. know, 18 years ago or something. Right. So the point is that, uh, to me, that the, the big headline would be if she finishes in the top three. If she finishes in the top three, I think uh, uh, it means that somebody else obviously didn't. But uh, and she would finally be uh, she'd finally be providing some expectation to people who've been supporting her for a long time without any obvious uh, reason to do so. Would you acknowledge that? I mean, you're you're. Amy Klobuchar is not your candidate because I'm not a she's, fan. she's too moderate. Why, I also why? don't think she's very nice. I, um, uh, I, I don't think she's a president. I think she is an okay. excellent senator. I think she could be majority leader. I think she could be whip. 
uh, but I don't think she's a president. And I don't. I think her best shot is Iowa, and then I think it's Minnesota. And other than that, I think that her campaign will be over fairly soon. Very quickly, I, do, there are two primaries that are going on at the same time. There's the progressive primary, and then there's what's left of the regular Democratic right. liberal primary. Yeah, right. And I think that those are the tickets that we've got to look for. Who, who's getting the ticket out? Is is it Bernie over over Warren, which it looks like it is? No. Is it Biden over Buttigieg and Klobuchar, which it looks like it is? And you know, I think if the if the Democratic Party was smart, if she finishes third, she could be that one. uh, She could be the surprise there. On that moment, we are out of time. Robin Johnson from Monmouth College, I thank you very much for joining us. uh, Heartland Politics on KBUR, and I'll see you tomorrow night at the Burlington High School. Don't go away. The economy is not working for everybody especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's E-Verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require E-Verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA because numbers Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us. Let's go to Jane, listening to us in Woodland, California, on KTKZ. Go ahead. Hi. Well, I have three points, if I may. Uh, Number one, to the woman who said Trump was either a rapist or fostered rape. Actually, it's just the opposite. With open borders, we had sex traffickers and probably may still have them coming through, and they raped women and children. And Trump is trying to stop that by closing up these open borders. So that is a lie. Number two, Trump is a fascist, which, you know, I hear about 10 times a day. Um, There is a book I would like her to get and get educated. If you're going to say something and you're a politician or I don't know what your position is, you really need to know what you're talking about. This book is called Liberal Fascism, The Secret History of the American Left from Mussolini to the Politics of Change. It's a great book, caller. Way to go. And they have that on Amazon. Uh, Published by Wagner? Stand by. Third third point. This is is all to Coco Sudek. My city is primarily Hispanic, and I've had two Hispanic attendants, and they both are uh, Republican. In fact, one of them is so excited about being Republican, she came with me to the Republican GOP meeting. There you go. Okay, thank you for your time. Stay on the line. We're going to let Coco respond to you, Jane. So first of all, we... Democrats are not in favor of open borders. We never have been, and the borders before weren't open. As a matter of fact, Obama angered a lot of us on the left because he did more deporting uh, than any president before him. But that said, um, Donald Trump doesn't care about sex traffickers. He doesn't care about you. 
he wouldn't protect you and he wouldn't cross the street for you. And if you want to worry about sex traffickers, the number one sex trafficking moment in American life is always this weekend over the Super Bowl. But the fact that you're freaked out about people coming over from other countries and you know, you know, what do you mean? Women. What do you mean? What do you mean by the Super Bowl? What, the what Super do, Bowl is a huge, a, a huge big, problem big, uh, with 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 essentially prostitution down and the city where it takes place. Yeah, it's horrible. Well, I'm more interested. You were just saying Wait, the on. fact that she's upset about people coming over means you were making a point. I, I don't. There, there, no, no Democrat wants open borders. We want close. We want smart security. We need our borders protected. But that doesn't mean that I want to throw out every migrant. I think there's room for asylum, and I think our country is stronger with more immigrants. And I think if we don't continue to take more immigrants, we're gonna we'll weaken on the vine. We need that type, that new dynamism, that new energy. That's Jennifer. That's, your, your response to that? Every time that Trump suggests that we need to tighten the border, um, anything he mentions from a wall to any kind of enforcement, the border control. Remember, it's the Democrats. Many of them want to get rid of ICE. Okay, right. so the idea that they don't want the borders uh, to be secure is complete nonsense. That's not because true. It, we- that's okay, not true. Oh, oh, hold on a second, Coco. What political that. party, which one, the Republicans or the Democrats, have a movement with AOC and a whole host of other people in the House, including Kristen Gillibrand, who never used to be considered a progressive, but now I guess she is, actually calling for the abolishment of ICE? I'm sorry. That's, that's not a, no, but that's a giant leap between – that's a giant – because ICE is not immigration. ICE is a police force Immigra- that has been weaponized okay. and empowered and to demonized be abusive. And yes. demonized. Yes. These good people yes. who are trying to do their jobs are demonized as a whole, as a unit. But okay, just- this is the problem. And it's really difficult for people like this caller and a whole host of other people to hear their concerns, legitimate concerns about the border and security, as we've had many, many crimes committed by illegal immigrants, not legal immigrants or Mexicans. Trump never threw that whole group of people under the bus as a whole. He was specifically talking about people who were committing crimes who would have no business being in this country. It's a legitimate concern. Would you acknowledge that Kamala Harris, who was the first person to say, let's abolish ICE, and Julian Castro, who also I think was very close second to that, Mm -hmm. they're gone. They did not make it through the process, and I don't believe... No, 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 no. I'm I'm talking about presidential Candidates. Yeah, AOC know. is a designated um, uh, substitute Dave, for. I'm sorry, Chris. Bernie she is, Sanders. She is not. She is not a presidential candidate. No, she's she not. Be- she believes that. I believe that. Well, he's but talked about I'm, putting. I'm, he's talked about making her vice president. I'm and talking about Buddha Judge. By, by the way, I'm talking about Buddha Judge, and I'm talking about Biden. Neither of them right. have suggested they abolish ICE. Now, maybe they will when they get to a but campaign. But Sanders and Sanders, Warren, yes. both of them are open. They say they won't commit to it, but they are open to abolishing ICE. So I don't think it's, so, so, but, you know. But, but look, but we're not talking about opening up all the borders and letting anybody come in. So you say now. So you say no. No, no, this is what... No, I think that's standard Democratic... This is what Democrats believe. We just believe that this organization, ICE, that was established under the Patriot Act after 9-11 has been empowered too far and it it encroaches on human rights and and it is not a great representative or steward of our immigration system. But the Democratic... But they're not the same thing. Coco, but the Democratic Party, whether we're talking about it a municipal level, a state level, 
or the federal level. Mm -hmm. The Democratic Party is not going to aggressively search for people who are in this country illegally. Unfortunately, because that is what Obama did. Obama did because, more more deportations than any president. We're not before. talking about Obama. But Obama. Okay. But, 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 but wait. But if you're going to tell if you're going to tell me what a Democrat would do, then we have to look at the last Democrat who ran the federal government. And Obama deported people and had a policy about about ramping up deportations of 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 illegal immigrants and legal immigrants. Why were there crimes? not more people uh, uh, marching in the streets to to challenge him on that? Well, why? And by why the way, Democrats uh, march in the streets. Well, That's well, another let me question. Ask this. Well, That's but, a different question. I'm so, does, so as a member, so as a member of that Obama administration that was cracking down on illegal immigration, mm -hmm. do you do, does did that tarnish? Does that tarnish Joe Biden? He was part of that administration. I do. He think didn't it disagree Joe with Biden. it. Okay. Of course I do. Do you think it? But, but do, let me say, does wait, it dismiss I, him I, as a ca candidate I, in your wait, view? Can I? Is that one of the reasons? I know you're not for Biden. I'm not for Biden. I, there are a lot of things I think. I'm not for Biden. I, I, there are a lot of things that I think. <laughs> Are uh, dismaying about about Joe Biden, but 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 I but I but I want to be but I want to make something very this clear. But I want to make something. Hour. That's okay. I just want to make one. <laughs> I want to make something. I want to make something very clear. Just because I'm not I'm not diminishing people's fears, but I think the Republicans harp and and ratchet up people's fears for their own benefit. And okay. I honestly don't live in the kind of fear that that makes me afraid of everybody who wants to come into this country. Coco, Coco, no, you're just scared Coco, to death about Donald Trump, and you I act am, like the whole world is going to fall apart if he's reelected. You probably don't live in fear, Coco. Chris Roebling. Well, I don't live in fear. Just I live in fear of Donald Trump's That's government. Very sick. That's Roebling. not the same thing. That's And I'm not afraid of people based on their race. I'm afraid of him based on the things he says and does. That's a very big distinction. Chris Roebling. Thanks so much. <laughs> really appreciate it. <laughs> Jump that. in there. Thank you. Don't be so shy. That's great. All right, so Coco, um... You're mentioning that Democrats aren't uh, that Republicans are exploiting fears. A year ago, I, I mentioned this in my <laughs> about Nancy Pelosi a year ago saying we're not going to have a one-party impeachment, and then we did. But a year ago, the Democrats, um, from about the first of December 2018 until about I don't know uh, about Valentine's Day 2019, the Democrats engaged in a non-stop fear campaign about what Trump was doing with kids on the border. As they should have. They, well, they were right. Hold, hold they on, were absolutely hold, correct. On, One second. All right. I, I, I'm going now. I'm going now. If, if facts may intrude on the conversation momentarily, I just want to point out that um, number one, uh, oh, oh, Trump was doing exactly what Obama had done. That's not number true. two, the physical appurtenances that were available to Trump at the time were exactly those which had been left by Obama. Number three, when, I mean, and, and I hear you saying we are not the open borders party, although I would say whenever given an opportunity to show that you're not the open borders party, you always take the, you being Democrats, not you, Coco, but Democrats always are taking the open border answer. Okay, for instance, here in Chicago, our new mayor has declared this to be a sanctuary city today, tomorrow, and forever. And that is a not only a federalism violation, but it is a public safety violation. And I believe that the, the public, regardless of – you and I are going to differ on the facts. I think the public understands people who care about jobs for regular Americans, people who care about economic security – Income growth, which we've seen for the first time in 25 years under Trump, 
are, are people who are going to say the Trump side of this conversation is more concerned about controlling immigration into the country than than the Bernie Sanders or the Klobuchar or the Warren or the Buttigieg side of the conversation, in my humble opinion. I think John? the I think the uh, this whole notion of abolishing ICE is a little bit of a red herring because if you did abolish ICE, something else would replace ICE under a different name. But what you really want to do, what, you know, what you really want to do, is take line. ICE and put it under new management. But that okay, you you but you would acknowledge just on the text alone, it has been an applause line. It is something many have intoned. AOC has not been rebuked by Bernie Sanders on this. I didn't she say has she been was. exalted by Bernie Sanders and given far more prominence in the Democratic realm than I think you know most of us are comfortable with. Right? She's a supreme talent. Can I respond to his Go point? Ahead. So so first of all. I, Every time we have an immigration question, Democrats don't take the open borders position. The Democratic-led Senate passed immigration reform, much-needed immigration reform, which wasn't taken on a bipartisan basis, and that that bill was not taken up by the by the Republican-led House. And that that immigration reform had uh, increased controls. Second, sanctuary city has nothing to do with open borders. It's about it's about the local cops saying we can't help ICE because we need people to be able to come to us as police. And if they don't, then we'll have we'll have increased crime. We've got to pause. We've got to pause. We've got to break. 1-800-723-8289. One more segment. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Just a programming note. Two weeks from tonight on our program on the 16th of February, we're going to do a, a significant dive into the issue of uh, attempts to uh, delegitimize uh, the election and to screw it up, whether it's the Repu- R- Russians, whoever it is, we're going to really look into uh, voter security and, and uh, election security uh, for this year. We've got some experts coming on uh, who will delve into that subject. So, again, I know it's near and dear to everyone's heart. It should be, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, we want fair elections, and uh, we'll be talking about that two weeks you can from talk, tonight. You can talk about this question of why Trump is supporting uh, Sanders on that, on that uh, well, program. We, we definitely could. Yeah. Let's go to Eric listening to us in Rio Linda, California, <laughs> on KTKZ. Go ahead. Can I hear someone laugh about Rio Linda? Well, no, I, no, no, no. I was no, laughing about fine. John no, I don't in care. snarky comment. No, we weren't. I know it's a joke. We love Rio Linda. Always, where, but tell us where is Rio Linda. Where is, what where is it? Where is it? It's north of Sacramento, just okay. a little north of Sacramento. Very small, uh, old-fashioned. I love it. But at it. any rate, Good. I'm Halfway tired. Halfway to Mount Shasta. Of, oh, 
Everything's Pardon? north of Sacramento. Halfway to Mount oh, Shasta. Oh, fi- 15 minutes. Oh, more than 10, halfway to 10, Mount 10, 12 Shasta. miles north of Sacramento. Wow. Great. How, how can we help you tonight, Eric? <laughs> yeah, okay, Eric. I just wanted to agree with that dear woman that called in to support Trump. And he's not a racist. He's not a fascist. And what she said, uh, Dinesh D'Souza did a great movie yeah. on fascism <laughs> that showed Trump. And then it also showed Marx, uh, whoever that was. But at any the rate, guy convicted for uh, a campaign finance f- felony. The same one. Fantastic. Yeah, same one. Wrote several different checks to his friend under different names. And has accounts. nothing to do with Fantastic the point, Coco. Guy. And when you nothing look at, he is a great he's a credible source. All the lies. All the lies that Democrats continually that say about Trump and, and how he <laughs> lies all the time. Truth and I, I would like to hear some more lies of his. I don't hear him. He exaggerates, sure. But the, the, the main thing is I enforced laws for 28 years. And what Schiff did, and I took classes from some of the biggest experts because we had to testify in court. We handled evidence and all the rest in, in prosecuting violators okay so what Schiff did and to say that that was what the founding fathers wanted that is an absolute lie and a disaster and it makes me sick yeah. to hear someone say that about was it a our lie that guy's Trump, name? uh the trump thought uh, obama was a muslim Oh, who knows? That is a pretty Muslim. He was basically racist. To was, Trump, it's I not think. a racist oh, statement. I mean, it's it's sure. Over time. It's one, one, Eric, one, 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 one at a time. Are you, oh, are you, are you telling me Wait, that you what, have one some second, enter, one uh, entertained some ideas that Obama might be Muslim or might be a? He even slipped up one time and talked about his Muslim faith. He didn't slip up. Let's go back. I don't know. We're getting older. I want to. Chris, what, wait a sec. Chris, oh. wait until you're called on. Thank you. Thank you very much for your call. Yeah, I like thank it. You. Keep listening. We're now going to talk, but but thank you for joining us now, Chris Roebling. Thank say you. what you're going to say. She yeah, I think with each other. Here. I, I hope Coco agrees with me on this, but I'm, I'm a sneaking suspicion she won't. I, you know, I had the privilege of going to Northwestern Law School. I'm not an attorney, but I did go, and I showed up, and I can tell you, if I, I happen to do well in trial practice, if anybody in that class had done what Schiff did and what the president's attorneys showed on the record, what Schiff did. Specifically, what do you mean? In not presenting the elements in the record that were contrary to those that they did present and then differentiating those out so that the court, in this case the the jury of the senators, would understand, yes, he made some statements about other issues that went the other way, but I I think that the the case that that we saw was abominable. I I totally disagree. I don't know what you're talking about, about what he did. Well, there's a... I will send you a link to the line-by-line destruction. Let's go, Coco. He did a tremendous job as a prosecutor. It isn't his job to present 
the alternative arguments, although he did. No. He did an hour. That's exactly on, wrong. On the prosecutor, this is exactly the no, attitude no. that no, led no, to no, the FBI no. not disclosing the information that no. was exculpatory. No. You cannot, this is exactly, Coco, this is exactly the problem. I don't know what information Coco, was exculpatory. Hold on, hold on. Adam Schiff presented the information. Now, wait a minute. Exculpatory information what? is a responsibility of the prosecutor. Which one? Hold on. Is that true or not? It, it, wait, which information? are mandated by the court to turn over exculpatory information. He didn't hide to... evidence. He did not hide evidence. I'm he did saying, not conceal hold on. evidence. Would you agree? He that did prosecutors not. I'm not going to agree with anything you say right you now see, because that's exactly because right. you're because you're trying to set see, me up in some is, kind of I, fake Socratic no, argument. I'm, I'm, no, no, no. I'm but so, I don't know what, what you're talking about. One at a time. One at a time. Coco. 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 I did not watch the entire thing because I work. I, you know, but but I don't but I don't know what exculpatory evidence you're talking about. The FBI withheld exculpatory information to the extent that the FISA court has now issued right. extremely rare orders about the FBI and the United States Department of Justice, right, okay? Man. That right. happened but in the case of uh, Carter Page, yeah. a, an individual, right. a, a United States proper person right. whose what? rights were except, denied except by the United States. that was States. not the entire case. That was only a portion of the Carter Page. It yes, wrong. it was. It was, it was wrong. That was a small portion of it. And the, by the way, the investigation started off because Carter Page shot his mouth off in Europe about all of the campaign shenanigans that was going on. There were there were assumptions that were made by the FBI that were not appropriate to be made. And it is appropriate for the FISA court to call them out on it. But that's not the same thing as saying that all of the evidence that they put Adam in Schiff about... Adam Schiff lied. No, 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 no. He did Adam not lie. Schiff lied on the floor no, of the United States true. Senate. Oh, really? Adam Schiff lied continuously. On the floor of the United States the Senate. fact that he was in the room when Trump told Bolton to call Zelensky in July. That's a lie. There were all kinds of lies by the by the I'm Trump lawyers. About what happened in front of the United States Senate that will we'll see you next week. We, it's of America. about how much someone drinks. Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring. 
but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require E-Verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA because numbers count. GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. 